Today is Tuesday, May 22nd, 2018, and you're listening to the official View News Podcast. I'm Greg Pollock. And I'm Adam Jar. Links to all the stories we talk about can be found in our weekly newsletter and on news.vjs.org. This week, the podcast is sponsored by us, viewmastery.com. We just released the first two parts of Greg's Advanced Components course. If you want to learn how to best scale and debug your Vue applications, then I think it's good to know what's going on inside of you, which is why I started this course by showing you how to create reactivity. And in the second episode, we search for where it lies inside the Vue source code. We'll be releasing additional lessons weekly. So if you want to learn with us, and maybe if you want to help support the podcast, a subscription is just $19 a month. And five bucks of that, of every 19, we're actually giving back to the Vue.js project itself. So a subscription with us is also helping support Vue. Head over to viewmastery.com to get our eternal gratitude. When you start building large-scale Vue applications, you may encounter some boundaries of the framework. In a new Medium article, Harshal Patil describes these boundaries not as limitations, but rather important design decisions that the Vue.js team has made. The article catalogs some of the important conversations that have occurred online about Vue issues, along with tips and tricks to overcome them. Many of these conversations include clarifying explanations by the core Vue team itself. Whoa, that sounds really useful. What are some of the conversations he's cataloged? Yeah, well, the first one is about why Vue.js doesn't use ES6 classes for components. And Evan's answer to that is pretty simple. ES6 classes aren't flexible enough to meet the needs of the Vue.js API without using non-standard features which require build tools. In Evan's words, while using a class-based API by default may make it more friendly to devs used to classes, it also makes it more hostile to a large group of users who use Vue without build tools or transpilers. Very true. You know, one of the reasons why Vue is so great is how you can start using it with no build tools whatsoever. You just drop a link to the library in the script tag and you can start coding right away. What else does Harshal's article catalog? He links to other great conversations about some gotchas around functional components, as well as working with slots. This is the kind of article you might want to save in your browser's favorites, so you can reference it later when you might encounter some of these issues that the conversations address. Let's say you have a component that needs to load its HTML from a data store, like maybe a drag and drop interface that lets the user build a dynamic interface. How do you think you might do this with a component? Maybe the vHTML directive on an HTML element. This would allow you to load HTML from a data attribute onto your page. Right. But what if that HTML has some view template code? Uh, would vHTML still work? No. Then I guess you're screwed. <laughs> right. Unless you know about vRuntime template by Alex Hovermorales. This is a view component that makes it easy to compile and interpret a Vue.js template at runtime. Uh, okay, so you'd need this if you want to load in a template dynamically and treat it not just as HTML, but as a full view template. You got it. So far, I've really enjoyed working with Vue CLI 3 to create the app in my next Vue Mastery course. It's fairly simple and straightforward to use. If you haven't yet tried it out, a new article by Chris Nwamba explores how its features compare to the old CLI and how it improves the developer's experience. Yeah, I love how all you have to do is type view create name of project and it just gives you that nice UI interface. Right, and the actual project the CLI scaffolds for you is very clean too. In the article, Chris describes it as straight to business compared to the old CLI scaffold, which is a bit more involved. The new CLI also simplifies rapid prototyping. For example, if you just want to play with a card component before including it in your main project, you could just create it as a standalone file, then use the service global add-on, and you can just serve just that file. 
That sounds great for rapid prototyping. And it's great how you can save presets too, so you don't have to manually select your installation options every time you use a CLI. Yep, it's pretty nice to use. As you build out large single-page applications, you can end up with hundreds of components and different parts of your site, like the admin section, the order section, inventory, forum, photos, whatever. And you obviously don't want to be sending over everything into the browser on the first time the customer loads it up. Right, you need some way of splitting things up and not sending over the admin code and templates if you're not an admin. Right, and one way to start splitting up your code is to use lazy loading on your components. You can do this using an upcoming JavaScript feature, Dynamic Imports, that Webpack supports now. And Daniel Schmitz wrote all about it this week. Dynamic Imports, so how does that work? It uses the import method inside of your routes, which will chunk up your JavaScript into different files and load their code only when that route is accessed. Making your class name semantic and readable is very helpful during development. Right. If your class name is event card container, you know exactly what that style is for. Yeah, but you don't need that readability and the length of those class names in production. That can produce a larger than necessary CSS bundle. So a new article by Huang Fong explains how to reduce the bundled CSS file generated by view loader by using a trick to shorten class names. Hmm. So I guess as long as the class names are unique and scoped appropriately, it doesn't matter if a human can read them at runtime. Exactly. Huang's process involves adding three lines of code to the CSS loader source code and a file to create unique IDs for each class name. The View Google Maps library by Guillaume Chow was recently updated. This allows you to easily integrate Google Maps into your view application in a view way. Viewway. That sounds like a highway with a scenic view. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go drive on the viewway. Anyways, this library gives you some great built-in support components like geocoder, map, marker, nearby places, place details, and so on, with a bunch of examples to get you started. If you'd like to create a desktop application using Vue, this week Mikhail Masinski released Vuido. Vuido uses libUI under the hood, a simple and portable GUI library in C that uses the native GUI technologies of each platform it supports. Whoa, so I can write Vue.js and run on Linux, Windows, and OS X? Well, don't get too excited, because Vuido and libUI are early technologies. And keep in mind you're not coding in HTML here. It's not like Electron. You're using a custom set of components called Window, Box, Text, Button to create native apps. Hey Adam, do you have any questions for Evan Yu? I have a few. Well, one week from today, I'll be hosting a free live stream with Evan Yu to take a look at some of the newer features of Vue.js, as well as do a live Q&A with the community. This is May 29th at 2 p.m. Eastern. Right. And even if you can't join during the live stream, you can sign up now and leave questions for him right there in Crowdcast, or vote for the questions you want him to answer and watch it later. Find a link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the official View News podcast. Be sure to tune in every week for the latest news in the View community. See you next week.